Today on the World Triathlon Podcast, we open with good news following the confirmation that the Tokyo Olympic and Paralympic qualification periods will reopen on the 1st of May, greenlighting the World Triathlon Championship Series Yokohama and World Triathlon Cup Osaka. The decision was unanimously agreed by the World Triathlon Executive Board on Thursday, having been frozen for all of 2020 due to the pandemic. Now, in this episode, we get to catch up with one of the USA's stars hoping to book their ticket to Tokyo during that period, Kevin McDowell. In 2010, Kevin took silver in the Youth Olympic Games and bronze in the Junior World Championships in Budapest. Then in 2011, an MRI on his neck revealed a tumour and he was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, turning his world upside down. So March 2021, Kevin marks 10 years since that diagnosis, 10 years cancer-free. Congratulations. Yeah, no, thank you. I mean, it was a pretty special one to hit. I mean, five years is first the big one because that's when you're classified as like you're cured. And if you would get some form of cancer again, it's not related to the previous one. But every other year you add on, it's just a nicer, bigger relief. And I feel like 10 years, it's now I'm in double digits away. So um, it's been quite a roller coaster since that diagnosis. There's been some great highs, some big lows, everything in between, more than I would have ever imagined. But I feel like I've truly come out of it stronger at this point. I wouldn't have said that even a couple of years ago, but now I'm pretty fortunate at where I'm at and looking forward to continuing to move forward. I know in a lot of ways it obviously can't help but be, um, but as far as like a life shaping thing to go through, but also like a character forming thing to go through, did, did you like kind of surprise yourself at the time with how you reacted to it and your strength and you were only 18 years old, so... Mm-hmm you know, can, can you sort of remember some of the things you were going through, going through your head at that time? Yeah. I mean, when my parents broke the news to me, it was like, I was just speechless. I just remember sitting in my room, didn't even know what to think or comprehend. At that point, we didn't even know what kind of cancer it was. So at that point it was unknown, even if like I was going to be given X amount of time to like, they thought I was going to live or whatnot. So once we found out it was Hodgkin's lymphoma, we were pretty, I was weird. We had like a celebration in a way because the doctors were telling me it's like, this is, if you're going to get a cancer, every cancer sucks, but this is a good one to have. You're going to go through really intense treatment, but you're going to make it out okay. We don't know how you're going to make it out. Things might change a bit, but, um, and the doctor's like, give me six months of your life. So I was like, all right, six months, let's do this. This is my new goal. And I actually, I went through it pretty, pretty well. I had a good mindset going through it. I felt I was really positive. So to be honest, it was the years after that really affected me more. And those are the people close to me would actually know because I, I was really positive going through it. Almost in a way, I didn't let myself accept going through cancer, what I had gone through. So I then dealt with that the years down the road when I was trying to come back. And I just honestly thought, oh, I'm going to go through these intense six months of chemo and then I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be back racing in a few months time, be back to myself, feel better than ever. And that's not the case. I mean, doctors kind of knew it would take me longer, but I was like, ah, nah. I know what I, I know what I can be capable of. I can do this. So I'd say yeah. it's more later. So you have the news that it's Hodgkin's and it's one of the more treatable ones and that it's a six month period. And I suppose, you know, after the news, that's <laughs> you thinking, okay, so I can come to terms with this a little bit and start to feel confident about eventually getting back to racing. But then the treatment's finished and you realize presumably you're actually still a long way away from getting back to that condition. Yeah. And Yeah. And I'd say it wasn't even until like recent years where I fully accepted and realized how much 
damage that had done to me too, going through all those treatments. I mean, I lost a ton of weight, completely changed my body. Um, everything was out of whack. I mean, it was 18, you're still growing at that point. So it was like my body, like just was totally in a funk, hormonalized everything. So I didn't, and then I came back right away back to triathlon and trying to get back into things. Cause like, oh, I'm done with it. While I should have let my body truly recover because it was basically just beat up when I finished. I mean, I was frail, hair gone, everything by the end of my things and getting super sick by the end of my chemo. But it was kind of crazy what I would be able to do through some of that with the mindset. And, but then again, my hard mindset only carried me so far until it was like, I actually needed to put the pause on things and shut down for, for quite a while in 2013 to let my body just fully absorb and reset and just become like a normal person again. So through treatment, you were still able to, to do some training and, and keep like a, a base fitness then? and Yeah, it's pretty wild. What advised? I did. <laughs> did the doctor have something to say about that? Or? <laughs> yeah, I pushed boundaries a bit. I wasn't supposed to swim. I swam. I had a port in me, like they told me, and they were like, you're definitely going to be going to the hospital a few times when you're going to get sick with infections. Um, I went for treatment every other week. The first week in the beginning, in the first month or two, I think it's because like, triathletes and everything and athletes were so on top of nutrition and sleep and health and so I had all these good habits instilled in me so I was kind of in a way breezing through more than they thought the first two months of chemo I mean I hadn't lost my hair right away I hadn't like I I'd go in for a chemo and then I'd go run eight miles with my teammates the next, right after getting it full-on chemo and then for the first month or two and then that changed then things caught up to me then i lost my hair then i got really sick i'd go to chemo get, then i'd be in bed and wouldn't eat for two days and everything kind of changed after that but i was still able to do a fair bit of stuff um, throughout it i mean i definitely pushed boundaries though with my doctor and they look back now and they always just laugh because i'm still in contact with them every so often they're like man you you did so much more than we ever thought and we were we were wor- they were worried at times. My, I definitely tested my mom a lot because she's a nurse and knew how much of risk, but she knew how much mentally I needed to still keep some normalcy. So it was, mm. a, it was a balance and I definitely pushed it a lot, but it helped me get through it. That was my coping mechanism. I suppose this, uh, are you finding there is some sort of comparisons to be drawn with the, the situation that's happening now and like people obviously having to be careful and like super careful as far as things like long COVID and stuff go right. So as an athlete, you absolutely don't want to get exposed to something that even though it might not have a, an immediate effect now, who knows in five, 10 years time, how it can affect your lungs and so on. So are you finding yourself being like ultra, ultra careful at the moment? Yeah, no, I'm very on top of everything on that sense. And um, I think because of what I'd gone through, I've always been super aware of when I'm traveling or things, I'd always wear a mask. So I was wearing a mask before masks were a thing. Right. Uh, I was washing my hands with stuff. And I just now can't imagine had I being a cancer patient right now going through this and what I'd gone through with the severity of how careful I had to be when I was that, because your immune system is absolutely nothing. So if a cancer patient, that, if I was at that point and picked up COVID, it would have been like traumatizing to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know the effects that camp COVID can have. So I've been very on top of everything, especially with some of the chemo that I had. It affected part of my lungs. Now we tested it and my lungs are fine now, but I'm not allowed to go scuba diving or really supposed to take supplemental oxygen too much. So it's something too I'm more alert of where I don't know the long-term effects it could have on me versus someone who is, hasn't gone through all I've gone through. 
is that like a scuba diving hobby that's had to go to the side or is that just for future yeah. reference? <laughs> it's it, it, I mean, I've always wanted to. So I was always right. when I was young, and that was one thing they told me they were always like, Oh, you're never gonna really be able to scuba dive or do that stuff because <laughs> it's just like, like one of the complexities of that. I was like, ah oh, shoot, that kind of stinks. But I'm like, you know what, I'm still living, so I have a lot more I can do out at this point. And who knows, maybe down the road, more time out maybe they'll actually come back and say, you know, you can actually scuba dive at the Great Barrier Reef or something, because that was always on my bucket list. So your, your, your period from, you know, 2010, obviously, as a junior, it's almost as good as it gets, right? Youth Olympic Games, you're getting the silver, World Championships, great performances. Um, so when were you sort of back at that kind of level of, of fitness and like, you know, that level of performance how long how long would it have taken you know it's funny because I kept saying like there were periods of times where I'm like oh I'm back to where I was and it was true I would get back to that level but it was so short-lived and then my body would like break down and do stuff I would say like 20 2014 2015 I had a couple short stints of stuff where I was producing some results that were better than when I was those junior days. But the issue was like, when I was a junior at that point, one of my biggest strengths was my strength. I was super robust, super just like strong as a whole. And it's crazy, but to date now, it's probably back to the muscle weight and everything that I was 10 years ago. I mean, it's just been, because my body changed a bit too, but putting the muscle mass back on in the proper way and a lot of other different situations on stuff but I would say the last two years is where I'm like I feel not that I'm ahead of the curve now I'm better than I was back then consistently and not making these roller coaster moves of having a glimpse of that better than my junior days and then blow up and have to just miss a season or miss months on end kind of thing Mm. were you like did you feel quite in tune with your body as you were coming back? Were you wrestling with it to try and sort of push it further? And, you know, obviously your mum was there sort of trying to put the brakes on a little bit. And But yeah. as far as like trainer figures and, and people who were standing alongside you, like, you know, how were those little relationships? Yeah. Um, I mean, the one issue is like, it's so unknown. No one really comes back from, I mean, you have like Lance Armstrong and them, but like I said, actually, I just had this realization with someone not long ago, it's like Lance Armstrong provided me false hope because he went and got went through this intense cancer. His was actually way more severe to some degree of the chemo that he went through, but I still went through a crazy amount of all that stuff and stripped. But then he returned to sport a, a year later. And I'm like, ah, oh, he did that. I can do that too. And I'm definitely young and going to recover. But there's another side of the story where he was doing all these things that later we learned. And like, it's, true i mean when i went through my cancer it destroyed my hormone stuff my testosterone was nothing everything was nothing so it's like i took me years to really just get that going up again to like a normal like guy's level and then that's part of the biggest issue that i had dealt with for those later years and something i look back on now that i kind of just want to be just show you can do it but it actually might just take a lot longer than it does Mm. and so were you in a very like specifically tailored training regime through that time then through the sort of you know 2013 2014 easing back into it and and just taking it step at a time and seeing how you were going yeah so 2013 I kind of took five months off because at that point I'd been coming back and forth a little bit and my body just broke enough that I'm like I just need a break 
And that's when I had met John O'Hall and Bobby McGee and Andy Schmitz and a few others around who were part of USA Triathlon at that point and kind of been following that progression. And I, they're like, take time away. And then when you're ready, come back and we'll kind of build you back as we go. And so then that's when the momentum and spark came after like five months off of triathlon sport, everything. Just, I went to school and just hammed out school and studied a lot and I returned and it was like a slow progression and things then accelerated fast and then we'd perform and it was just a learning curve still. But I'd say after 2013 is when the trend was going up. I'd still have these up and down slight bits, but it was still, it was trending in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So building back up to, to sort of top level elite racing and then getting some great world cup results in kind of 2015. Right. And then yeah, from, from there to, I mean, to 2019, some really solid World Cup podiums. And, and and then obviously earlier this year, just last month, got the news that again, like, you know, on the on the US team, right? So yeah, that was a great start to, to the year and able to put a lot of uncertainty of last year finally to rest and kind of focus on the task in hand a little bit. Are you feeling now that that, that is, it, it's time to really look ahead now? <laughs> Yeah, no, I'd say this last year, I'd say I had a really like rough 2019 was like a turning point year for me, I would say. I ended up getting an injury um, uh, and had to take some time away and then build back up and things were actually then progressing really well, but it made me really think of like the purpose of why I like triathlon, what I want to do and like, do I really want to do this? Maybe question a lot and like, which athletes you have, but then I was like, is this meant for me like no I want to do this this is I love this I enjoy this it's not a burden for me to go out and do this stuff and I do want to see I'm not done yet I want to see what I can actually do because I haven't reached the where I'd always envisioned myself and being so then in like I had a really rough go at the Olympic test event in Lausanne and then I was like oh man and kind of took a step back and raced some world cup races at the end of the year and got this momentum going and from then on, things kept progressing and progressing and got the consistency on my belt. Cause that was one thing I really lacked is consistent training through all these years. And now I've been able to just lay down this brick and brick and foundation and training. So I would say going into this year, I'm ready to make the next jump. Last year, I felt I had a taste of it. I'd say in Arzicenia, Italy was the first race where I was like, surprised myself in some ways. I still blew up at the top of that hill at the last bit, but I was like, ah, this is like high level hitters, like up in this race still. It's not like a world cup that I'm used to. It's actually more like WTS level on probably one of the toughest courses in that we've seen with that hill. And I was like, I'm ready to make this next jump. So I'm really looking forward ahead. And I think it's just the t beginning of a new phase for me. And I've made a couple changes this last year. I switched coaches. I've um, have a different dynamic and group set up and I'm really happy with the new setup I have and moving forward and i'm excited i think there's going to be big things to come yeah a lot of the chat around that Azucena race was um you know the, the sort of the first laps that ali brownie were putting it was putting in that christian blumenfeld put in and and you know they absolutely nailed it but anyone that finished in the top 15 of that race has got to feel pretty pumped with what they were doing and you were like you know you were in check with those guys all the way through as well um yeah, yeah no i would and i always used to think i like this might be one of the issues. I just would put those guys up when I started the line. I'm like, oh, they're better than me. And I'm like, no, like I'm training well. I'm doing this. Like they're still a 
we still have to go swim, bike, run and kind of put it simple on that thing. I mean, these are the best in the world, but that's where I want to be as well. So I've kind of changed that mindset, especially this last year. And over this winter, I've just changed my mindset on everything. And I'm, I'm ready to, I, I want to make that next jump. I mean, my old, my past training partner, Tyler Misichuk made that. I trained alongside him. I was producing a lot of the same stuff, especially we were doing a lot of sessions together right before 2020, like really broke out. We were nailing stuff and I feel like I was ready for a breakout at that point. And then season got put on pause, but that put the belief in me. I'm like, okay, I'm training alongside this guy. And I, he's right at the top and he, I mean, he won the test event and I know what he's capable of. So it's now my turn to be able to produce some stuff like that. So. Mm. that's kind of given me some positive insight as well and that it, it must be like a real snowball effect of those kind of results like tyler's had and like in terms of you saying you look at certain people who've maybe had the results and you're thinking you know you, you're slightly deferential towards them plus if you get you know the, the wts podiums and so on then it's like that that self-belief as well so have you yeah have you noticed like a slight shift in tyler's kind of mindset as well not you know not just those performances but also like how that can just kind of switch a light on as well as far as someone's uh kind of optimism and ambition for what they can achieve yeah i just think he backs himself and i think that's something that like i have now started to realize as well i'm like he confident in what he's doing in the training he knows he's produced a result now to be able to do it so he knows what it takes and so now he's just got this confidence to set going and can just say, okay, I'm, I'm good enough to do these guys. I think it just takes that one performance. And like I said, Arza Chania wasn't my, like, I didn't knock it out like how I thought I could have, but I had a couple errors in that race where I feel like I could have been sixth or seventh if I changed a couple components of it because we had bridged up to that lead group um, before I blew right at the top. But it's like, I could taste it there. And that was that fire that I needed from there to really motivate me going through the winter. And I'd say that was kind of one of those aha moments for me that I finished and I was like, yeah, the result doesn't show what I did, but I've got this spark in me now that I'm like, okay, I've seen Tyler do it. I've seen others do it as well through different components. I mean, even like, I know Matt McElroy really well, Morgan Pearson, like they're all starting to like, all of us are really kind of keeping each other going and I'm excited to see because I think it's time for some of the US men to be able to make a mark as well. Like, all the women are just so incredible. And I think that's something too, like their mindset that the US women have is, they just get the job done. They go out there and they're training in this confidence. And I think a big thing is that self-belief and backing yourself. So that's something I'm trying to really change and not think, oh, these people are just better than me on the line. But I just think it's all about backing yourself. So we'll see. It might take me a few still, but I believe it's there. Yeah, getting in those good habits as, yeah, like you said, Kate Safer is a perfect example of she was in the habit of good podiums and good performances, but not really the wins, right? And then she got in the win habit yeah. and then it was all about her top of the podium every time pretty much oh yeah and i've trained with all of them from the beginning i mean i remember katie like she was in the group i was right when she started the sport kirsten casper was summer cook was like all like i've seen taylor spot every single one of them i've been around to see this and so it's been cool to see and now i'm like all right i know what it's to see how their mindset is to go this and they don't they don't they go here and they just don't put people up on this pedestal kind of thing. It's like a level playing field. So that's a mindset I don't know. I'd say that's one thing that has, has been one of my downfalls maybe in the past because I'm such a fan of the sport. And when I was younger too, I'd follow all these big guys. And now it's like, oh, I'm at this level, but to be at this level, I need to not 
think of these guys at the top and I'm not this junior kid mindset anymore. It's like, I want to be one of them. So let's be one of them. And yeah, the US men, there's a lot of talent there, but that hasn't had maybe some of the results that it it's due in a way like Matt McElroy's world series podium was, was the first, well, only the second ever at that, at that level. Right. Um, yeah. And Matt's in the team, Eli Hemmings in the team as well, right. In, this year. Yeah, it's like, so what was announced was it was a national team. Yeah. So it's like kind of, it's not our Olympic team yet. It's probably going to be one of those five, three. Now it depends how many spots we get. Right now we're sitting at three. So hopefully we can hold the three spots and then it'll be chosen from then. Mm. There's still a lot in between, but yeah, it's just nice to be on that because it means they're really looking at you for a potential for the games and you're getting support. And the support is huge through these times when there's not much racing going on. So USA Triathlon has been phenomenal with us with some of the support and keeping things as normal as you can through this tough year. Mm. So, And so for those that would maybe have been hoping to get on that national team list and, uh, you know, just didn't quite make it like Tony Smaragowitz or, or Dar or whatever, like how difficult, how, how much does that affect you in terms of the support and in terms of like, being able to get through the the season and and so on like does it it works both ways right great help for you but for them is that is it just like another thing that they have to fight to to get through the season yeah it's tough i mean it's not like some if you're not on the national team it's not like you're cut cold like there's still sometimes you'll get supported certain races are there you're just your actual funding is different your health insurance stuff is different just like some of them daily living things and just like the daily environment help that and feedback that the high performance gives um and i mean yeah i've been on both sides there's been times even over the past few years where i've been off the national team for a block and then i produce get back a result and then do it because they have different criteria and that's one good thing you can always get back on the national team because all of us have just hit the standards that they set so it's like they've got this thing of podium at the world cup or wts this or top eight at this and then that's how you qualify for your tiers so there's three different level tiers that you can qualify for for support. So it's open to everyone. It's not like it's a discretionary selection. It's just, you got to hit these standards and then you get on. So that's mm-hmm. open in that sense. It's just tough right now because there's not many races to hit the standards. Yeah. Well, quite. And, and the prize money's not there. And if the prize money, you know, if the races aren't there, then presumably the sponsors are like getting a bit twitchy as well. Are they, I mean, yeah, and I think that's something I'm just starting to learn a lot more of now that I'm getting more involved in things and higher up at the levels is the sponsorship sides and trying to make a name for yourself and kind of tell your share your story out there and why they why you should be supported and where your plans are and goals. But at the end of the day, I'm just trying to get the job done and focus on what I need to because I've had issues where I've looked upon what other people are doing to get worked up on something else and it never works out for you. So it's like, what does Kevin McDowell have to do? He has to do, what do I have to do today to make it the best day possible to then keep working towards these goals? And that mindset shift has really helped me and, and changed some of my directions on where I'm going as well. So. And has part of that been through the new coach? Uh, who, who are you working with now? And, and how has that kind of, what's that brought to your, to your training? Yeah. Yeah. Last year, I just, through all the COVID stuff, I just kind of needed a change and learned more about myself and I'd always been growing up in a group environment, but I was kind of ready for that change of more of just having a coach that sets up how I need it and go there. And um, I'm now working with Nate Wilson. So it's actually Flora Duffy's coach as well. One of her coaches. And that's kind of how I learned about it. I knew I needed a change. So I did some interviewing through a couple of different people and 
talked with him and we instantly connected and I was, liked what he had to say. He really get, he, he in, based in Girona right now, works with EF Pro Cycling. So he's a cycling coach and I knew my cycling has to keep getting improved and he knows the side of the running as well. And I've got a good network in Colorado Springs that I've have a, a couple people we've resourced for the team. And, and then the one thing I wanted was flexibility to hop in with different groups or people at times of training camp. So I was in Arizona training with Matthew Sharp and Ian O'Brien's group was there. So Matt McElroy was there and a couple others. And then when I'm in Colorado, I might go up and do more, hang out with Morgan, do some training there. It just gives me this flexibility or some other national people if I'm at different places at different races. And I just kind of looking for a change and um the stimulus has been awesome and he's just he's changed my perspective on different aspects of the sport and brought a different side to it he's young he's but he understands it because he's been i mean he's been working alongside flora and he's like has a lot of pressure working with flora because like flora is going for olympic gold like i mean she's two-time world champion and all these other academics so it's like and he was at all the races last year so he kind of starts to see what you need and he's very data driven which i like and so he's been able and to look at my data because i've been collecting stuff since i've gotten back in the sport in 2012 so he was able to like download everything to see where do we have to go what's what are strengths what are weaknesses where do we go so it's cool because he just has provided this like oh there's still so much untapped potential here and that excited me too because he's like there's these easy low hanging fruit that i can fix that we can move forward ah, so, so he's been crunching that got the numbers excited. that you've always had but haven't necessarily like processed in the same way is that yeah it's just time for a different stimulus and i think sometimes like you do the same training regimens and same plans and my body is just time to change the stimulus so um that's kind of where i looked at it and what he's provided to me and built some confidence in me in different ways some of the sessions definitely it's just totally different, but also a lot of the same mindset. And one thing for me is I'm such a routine guy. So we've created this routine and got this pattern going. We've developed this momentum. So it's been awesome in that sense. How much, so does, the, just, how much does an athlete like you discuss like in-race tactic as well with a coach? You know, Is that sort of one of those things that you, you know, you could drum, drum up a hundred different scenarios and they've may well never actually materialize anyway or just things like so for example another race in sardinia the 2018 world cup where again it was you and ali and eustace yeah. flag right and there's an amazing photo yeah. of the three of you shoulder to shoulder i don't know if you've seen that picture of you both you all three sort of bounding down and you obviously like made a real hit for the hit the line like maybe went a bit early then they kind of a little early yeah they caught you <laughs> i thought i was closer to the line than i was and i didn't realize i was like oh shoot i'm a little further than i thought but i was feeling good and i like the motorbike i'd win and i was like oh that can be a draft because we we're going to a wind as well so maybe i can take advantage of this motorbike and go but then i realized i was like oh i'm a little further out of the line than i thought when this turn came up so right I burnt one match too early, but it gave me that confidence. And one thing that I saw in that was like, okay, it, it broke my mindset of being a, like, is like, again, like Alistair is a sick guy, but I was like, oh, I can race him. I can beat like, put myself in amongst it. I didn't beat him that day, but it gave me like, I wasn't afraid of him. And typically I would like back off on him or something, but I was like, I'm not afraid of this. Yeah. Uh, it was a mindset shift that kind of changed. And so actually, yeah, I mean, Yes, in hindsight, you maybe went a bit early, but you went early for the right reasons. You saw that opportunity. You saw like there was, you know, the wind and the, the bike might have broken it and you just thought you were a little closer to the finish line than you were. So 
I guess when you say like tactics, I it hasn't been something that I've discussed too much because I've never really been someone at the front of the races. Um, but that's something we're starting to change more. And one thing that I think is starting to change more on tactics is also with this mixed team relay, because I really want to like put myself foot full front forward to be on that U.S. team because I think we have a really good shot at Olympic at a medal and hopefully Olympic gold um, for the team relay and I want to be on that team and really be a contributor so I think that's where sometimes some of the more tactics go and in Hamburg last year being some of the tactics on how to get it to hand pass off to Katie in the best position so she can do the work on her leg and um, yeah I, I think there's you talk up plans but there's like we've seen triathlon there's so much that can happen so I just think one thing that Nate's been doing really well with me is just really like opening up my toolbox so I'm capable to handle what is thrown at me during a race. And I think that's one thing that um, first training for one scenario, we're ready for many. So that's kind of been fun on these low key races too. Like last weekend, I did a race, that race in Claremont. And I'd never really been one who had power in the race. And this one, I had some more control and trying to do things. And I messed up a couple of tactics, ended up second, but I learned a lot from it actually. And going to go into that for next weekend. And just gaining more experience kind of being at the front of a race and mm. usually trying to just hang on <laughs> yeah that was uh did an interview with lisa norden and she uh not lisa norden nicholas spierig and uh in that olympic final uh race off with lisa norden her yeah. her little what, what she thought gave her the edge was a tip that her coach had given her about like looking at the big screen rather than over your shoulder as you're coming down that home straight so you can see how close you are but you don't you don't have to take the time out to turn around you're just kind of you can see exactly what's going on yeah there's definitely things and cues and focus stuff and again it's like things that what you need to do to keep moving forward faster first always just trying to control and look around because you can't control what else someone else is going to do you can to some degree but not in everything so you have to do what you need to do and that's something that I've just, I feel like in the last year or two, the mindset that I've had has been growing as a whole. Cause that's something like I'm trying to develop more as a strength. So moving forward as we keep going and get back into the higher level racing. So last weekend, was that like literally your first race in a long time or has there been other little ones? No, that was just the first little opener for this year. Um, since uh, the Italy race, and those last fall races. So I was pretty fortunate that I got to race those fall races and some of those World Cups in Hamburg as well. So I had some experience on there and then these races popped up and I was like, let's go do them. I have a new coach, let's try some new things. Let's see where we're at. And plus I think like, still, who knows how the May races are gonna go. So it's good to go get some racing under your belt because after training for so long, things can kind of get stale. So you need to freshen up, go out there and keep, I think you only learn by doing experience. I'm just trying to gain experience at these races as well for the bigger ones down the road. No, for sure. And actually, it was the Hamburg race was the first one back, wasn't it? I mean, that was after the after the long break. Can you remember like how yeah. that how that was between you all as athletes? Nobody quite knowing where they were or what other people have been up to. And yeah, I mean, it definitely was a big unknown. One again thing I was fortunate was I got to race Malulaba right before everything shut down. So I did get one race in the year. Most people had waited an entire year since they had raced, but I at least had a little gauge. I was like, okay, this is kind of a snapshot of where I was in March. And I know I'm a better athlete than I was in March because I kind of approached 2020 as this year to layer. I mean, cause that's one thing it's like, yeah, I'm 28, but I've actually feel like a much younger age to some degree because of everything I had gone through. I feel more like a 24, 25 year old 
um, so just the way my body has changed and everything these last few years. And so I just needed to just get consistent training in and I was motivated to do so. So it was, I was excited to go race. It was a good opportunity. I was pretty nervous to go make the travel, to be honest, just with the whole COVID stuff. But after talking with my doctors and different people and support staff, it was, seemed like it'd be okay. And I mean, it was okay because I mean, I was on an airplane where I had an entire row, not just like an entire row, but an entire row of seven people just to myself. And then there was no one in that next row. It was just empty. There were a hundred people on maybe a 747. So I was like, can right. we just always do this? <laughs> but, um, <laughs> so that actually wasn't too bad. And I was glad to be able to go race. I was nervous, but again, I was just, I changed that mindset to just let's, let's have fun with this. This is an opportunity I get We this is what we want to do. So make the most of it and learn from this to keep going. And you did the mixed relay there. You were part of that race. Yeah, I was. So I was pretty happy about that. Cause that was one of my goals too, to be able to be selected for the team there. And we ended up second uh, and it was, it was a good race overall. And I think it left us pretty motivated and knowing some things we can all approve upon. And um, it was a great experience for me. I really enjoy it. I think we have a great connection with the team. Um, it's just a really lively, fun event. And it's just a good camaraderie to have that you don't always get when you're racing individually. So it's kind of fun to just everyone just hmm. get G'd up together kind of thing. So what is it down to for for the final decision on what will hopefully be three, you know, three US men making it Tokyo style? Yeah. Yokohama will be our last automatic selection spot. So there's one spot up for grabs there. So it's first man across the line if you're in the top eight. And right. if no guy is in the top eight, then it goes all to discretion, whether we have two spots or three spots. And mm -hmm. If we have th then if one guy gets top eight, then we'll have up to two spots of discretion. So a lot of it's going to come up to discretion. So that's why it's important was important to go do some of those races last year, put up some good scores, and just kind of showcase your all around ability so that they're you're going to they're going to want you on that team kind of thing. So there's still a lot up in the air, but um, yeah, I'm just need to keep doing what I'm doing and and let, yeah. this, let that happen. And then if you were one of the three that does make it, is there any idea of how they then do the selection criteria for the mixed relay? Or would it be, we'd only ever take that decision after the individual race anyway to see how people are? And I suppose it's not a decision that needs to be taken until a couple of days before the race. So, Yeah, I, I don't know how the US are going about it. Um, I mean, I know based on discretion selection stuff, like whoever selected, they'll all be high candidates for the relay and it may not be something that's announced till literally right before, right when last minute when the team needs to be submitted based on individual races or how people pull up kind of thing but basically their idea is to select three guys who are more than capable to get the job done and hopefully make the u.s um walk away with the medal or the gold medal <laughs> yeah yeah and so if you personally like despite everything from last year, like you, you're feeling in a really good place then now and, and strong and ready to push for a big, a big season. Yeah, I am. And I think that's, so it was like a, probably a few weeks before all COVID stuff happened and season was shut down. I had a conversation with my parents and I was like, oh man, like I'm in a good place. I really think I'm going to be, make that team this year, but you know, I'm going to be better in 2021. Like the way my training's going, the having another year under my belt, some of the, progression I'm having that's um 
I didn't expect to have at this point. I definitely believe 2021 will be better. And then boom, COVID happened, Olympics delayed a year. And I'm like, well, my parents are like, well, there you go. It's like what you were saying. You're going to have an extra year under your belt and you're going to be stronger. So for me, I think it benefits me um, just like having another year under my belt of consistency because yeah, I've been in the sport for so long, but I've had so many hiccups and hurdles and um, I'm still improving in a way like sometimes you'd see under 23 is improved based in training and some of the numbers I'm doing. So it has me excited. So, And it's obviously giving you some time to grow some pretty strong facial hair. That's yeah, something. I know. That's the thing. Bobby McGee and them will laugh about it. Well, like over the winter, I was like, oh, let's just grow the facial hair. And then like Ian O'Brien and a few of the guys are like, oh, keep it. And then I went to have to go help someone taste for a time trial. Um, so I was like, oh, I'm just going to have fun with this and just shave it and just keep the stash. And then people are like, you need to keep this for the first race. So I was like, all right, I'll race with this one and the next one. And then I'll, I'll shave it off after that. But yeah, now I can grow facial hair and people are like, I mean, oh, we never imagined that. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like a real one. So I was like, ah. So there, that's what I mean. I've been growing more over the last few years too. Like had another growth spurt. So it was, yeah, I don't know. So, I feel like you could uh, fit in in a temping bowling kind of circuit with that with that on your top. Yeah, just go around. And I mean, my hair is a bit <laughs> longer too right now. It's a different look. I mean, come May, my hair will be cut. Everything will be cut. But I'm just like, I'm having fun with it right now. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's like, why not? Just make things lighthearted. So. Totally. When you and Tyler were training together, then was there a fair bit of that going? Because I know he, he likes to get a bit experimental with the hair. And yeah, stuff. he's funny because like now I've after leaving, he's like, oh man, if you were still with us and everything turned with us, I would totally have the clippers and be able to do a lot with that. But it's like, because yeah, he gets all into that. But no, nah, it was more just a thing. I was like, ah, it's just in Arizona. And I was like, let's just see what happens. So. How do you feel lining up for, for that kind of race that, you know, they're obviously the pressure is on you to perform the way you want to or, or to put things into place that you have been working on right but i mean how are you normally on a on a big world cup start line for example do you do you get like a bit nervy beforehand or is you are you sort of laser focused kind of approach um i think it's i'm getting better i used to get a bit nervy but honestly once i'm on the line i always joke i'm like oh the worst part's done the warm-up it's just like I just find the warm-up sometimes the most stressful because it's like all these little pieces it's like oh getting your bike checked in there there's all these moving components and this and that and there's opportunities for things to go wrong or different kind of stuff but once you're on the line you're like oh it's all done I'm warmed up I'm ready let's go kind of thing so mm-hmm. usually I'm fidgeting with my goggles a lot but no it's, I'd say once I'm chosen my spot on the pontoon the nerves are kind of gone and I'm just excited so and that's something that's shifted over the last I'd say year and a half as well, kind of thing. I've gone back into that root mindset of when I was younger, just kind of just having fun with it and not overthinking everything. Cause that's been one of my biggest downfalls in the past too. Hmm. Yeah, okay. So, and you said like physically, you feel like more 24, 25 year old as well. So as a result of what you went through, so maybe in some ways that's gonna kind of extend your career and 28 is the sort of, the, the sort of magic age range more or less isn't it for you know what you would maybe see most triathletes kind of peak performances over yeah but um yep. maybe this is like an opportunity to just stretch that by another four years and yeah no I think it is um because I mean at 26 I grew again I grew another like half an inch an inch and then I put on like I mean I'm a to- like put on a lot more muscle mass and 
everything that kind of that final growth phase you do when you're maybe like 22, 23, I did at 26. And I think a part of that is from the cancer I'd gone through, through that period of time was still when you're going through puberty and still growing and finishing off everything. And I think that just delayed everything. And then my return to sport too fast, just continued to prolong that to my body to really properly reset and grow. So I think until when I was 26 is when I really let my body be able to reset. And that's then when things really started to shift as a whole and kind of really started to change as a person as a whole, mm. physically as well and mentally, but. All right. So in some strange way, you feel like the athlete that you would have been if you'd gone directly through from, from that kind of 2010 break in year, do you like, physically and yeah I that's why I just feel younger than I am maybe at 28 I always forget we'd be like oh, how old are you and you're like 20 I was like oh yeah I guess I am 28 but it's that's the thing I still want to go a bit through this and definitely through 2024 and I definitely have interest going long distance down the road um, I think that will suit me in the style of how my training is and but yeah I I'm excited and like and they're just I have another spark in me that maybe I was lacking for a little bit on and off through these last years. So. Great. And yeah, well, good luck in Sarasota. It's presumably quite a flat course. Is it just one that you can just kind of yeah. kick into and do your thing? Yeah, it's not too exciting. So, I mean, I'm now at a phase where I definitely like more challenging courses, more especially hillier courses, like that kind of style suits me a lot better, but nah, it's like, you got to be prepared for anything. So, I mean, I'll just be ready for this and, it's all right if it's just laps around this little little pond. So it's a little more exciting than Sarasota because I would say, I mean Claremont, because I'd say Claremont is probably the most basic course you can get in trap on with an out and back setup and a big 180. So. <laughs> all right, great. Well, yeah, have a good one, and um, yeah, let's uh, hopefully see you on the start line in May then. Yeah, let's hope so. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. So thank you for the time. Great, thanks, man. Great to speak to you. Don't forget that on 20th of May, you can watch all of the action from the World Triathlon Winter Championships in Andorra for free on triathlonlive.tv.